Welcome to the Keybox Podcast. I'm your host, Joaquin Ramirez. I created this podcast because during the last six years working as a real estate agent in Northern California, I have met some amazing people. I wanted to have an in-depth conversation with them to find out what drives them and what makes them successful in the world of real estate. Come join me on my podcast journey as I talk to these pros about real estate and real life. You'll definitely walk away with some gems. I know I will. Today's special guest is a real estate agent in the Bay Area who has a passion for helping his community and is committed to improving the lives of those around him. Today's special guest is Jeff Phillips, aka The People's Agent. Enjoy. Mr. Jeff Phillips, The People's Agent. How are you, my brother? Doing well, brother. Doing well. Living blessed. Living blessed. How about yourself? Uh, same, man. I'm living blessed as well. Um, I'm really happy that you're on today. Thank you so much for taking the time to chop it up with me. I know you're a busy guy. So um, I just want to, you know, highlight all the badass people that I've come across in this profession. And uh, you're definitely one of them. But the people's agent, I want to know how did you get that nickname? Uh, How long have you had it? How long have you been in the business? All that good stuff, man. So just talk a little bit about the people's agent. Definitely, definitely. And yes, I want to thank you for allowing me to be here with you, man. I got so much respect for you, so much love from the day one. You've always been the realest. I salute you. I appreciate you. Um, But really, the people's agent came from um, a a blueprint followed. Um, I was always been radical, always been someone who paid attention to people like Malcolm X, Huey P. Newton, Asada Shakur, um, those type of people. Um, And actually, I went to school to be a sports agent. So a lot of people don't know that I actually went to school, went out to Howard University to be a sports agent. And what my thought process was, was I wanted to change the dynamics of African-American athletes going broke. Um, So I wanted to no more having the Vince Youngs and those people, Jamarcus Russells, that blew 120 million and now we're filing for bankruptcy. Um, When I went out there, I couldn't I didn't finish. Um, things came up money wise. I was taking out loans in my own name. It just didn't work out. So I came back home and I had to figure out what I wanted to do from there. Well, our teammate, Miles Tillman, who I've known since high school, he was already in real estate. And he was like, you know what? You can do your why that you already set out to do when you went out to school in a higher capacity with real estate, because now you can talk to the in general public with being a, uh, a sports agent. I typically could only speak to people in the sports world about the knowledge I was gaining on financial literacy. Contracts really applied only there, but contracts about what your offer is going to be like generating generational wealth, those type of things, everybody could have that understanding and get um, a lot from it. So from there, I really looked at it and I was like, you're absolutely correct. I can go and be in my community and do these things for and teaching financial literacy to athletes but also that person that has three jobs and you know she's a single mother or a single father or just a household that wants to create generational income for, or generational wealth for themselves, I can also teach that to them. So that's where I set out on my journey three years ago um, to be an agent. And then it just, it just fit right. 
I was, I was going around and I was trying to figure out what I am and who I am. And the People's Power Party is something that's always been big to me with Huey P. Newton and the Black Panthers here out in Oakland. So I was like, who am I? I'm the people's agent. I'm the one that no matter what you see or who you are, I'm going to advocate for you. I'm going to educate you. Um, I'm going to be in your corner. And that's where I really took it. And that's how the people's agent uh, started. There are a lot of different people that use the people's agent hashtag. And I really don't mind it. If you're the people's agent and I'm the people's agent, that's really what it was all about. It's all about collaboration. It's all about the people. As long as the people come first within the people's agent, that's what it's about. So, you know, thank you for that, uh, that answer and that explanation. Um, how old do you think you were when you realized, like, I, I, I need to be more involved in, 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 in thinking this way, right? I need to be, I need to learn about these, these wonderful people, right? Malcolm X, uh, everybody else that you mentioned, like, where do you think that actually hit home for you? Because I grew up, you know, also like in the hood, but we could have gone this route or that route. Yep, and yep. unfortunately, some people choose the wrong way, the wrong path. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. where was like your, uh, where you kind of hit that crossroad where you're like, hey, you know what, this is uh, probably not the right thing or th there's better th there's better things I can do with my time and just being yep. educated really helped you out. So really the, the foundation was laid from my childhood. I grew up, um, like you said, in places and went through experiences that most people don't finding meth under my um, under my pillowcase, finding coming home and the home was raided by the police. Um, but also I got to experience things where my dad, I was actually there when he went to have his case happen. And it actually came out that the police department that was going over his case lied about the case. And that's how he was able to go from a felony to more of a misdemeanor in that category. And I'm sitting there and I'm 10 years old and I'm able to hear these things. And, you know, he was technically, um, you know, beaten to the point where they had to take his picture the following day. They couldn't take it on his first day of being booked because they needed the swelling to go down. So I've always interacted with this space of what is the plight of people that have been oppressed. Um, and it did take maturity. It took years and years and years because as we both talked about before, I was a football player. So yeah, I understood the dynamics of the world, but I needed my scholarship. I wanted to play in the NFL and that's where my focus was. I was not going anywhere else. And it wasn't until I got into college and I lost football. I had a hamstring injury that just absolutely took me out and I didn't know what I was gonna do from there. But I always had that foundation of my mom telling me, hey, you're more than an athlete. You're, you have your education. My father telling me that even though you see me doing these things, this is not for you. I do not wanna see you in a jail cell with me. I do not think that that is your, you are a leader. He always spoke life. He was the epitome of what not to do, but he spoke life into me at the same time. So when I lost football, um, though, one of the first things that I did was I looked at other uh, avenues and other venues of what I can do with my leadership skills that I knew that I had. And one was I became the Pan-African Union president at DVC and started the Emoja program. From that place, I started to understand and really read up on the literature and seeing how it connects to all of us and, and 
how important it is to understand where you come from so you know where to go. And that's really where those thoughts came uh, was, hey, you know what? I'm just going to keep reading and keep reading and see where this takes me. That's really what it was at first. Where does this take me? And then from there, it just became a vast library now that I have that I just love to dive into. So it, it sounds it sounds like it came from like a, a place of injustice or well, you witnessed injustice. Mm -hmm. And Definitely. that's what sparked it. And instead of maybe, you know, acting out, right? You mm -hmm. were like, no, I gotta, I gotta get informed what's going on. There's a problem here. And you figured out a way how to turn this horrible situation into a positive one where you've educated yourself and, uh, you know, got into a great place where you can see the different uh, perspectives that may, you know, some people may have, and you've been able to uh, do a lot of positive things with it. So Definitely. talk about your, uh, your career, right? So you, you yep. kind of went into a little bit, but so you're playing sports. I think you were wide receiver, right? Yes, sir. You're like six, two, probably two or five, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and talk to me a little bit about, uh, how, how, how that transition was from high school to college. Cause you did play college mm. as well. Right. Yep. Um, talk, can you talk a little bit about that? Like how that went Definitely. down? Definitely. That was a huge transition. So in high school, I was a bench warmer. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I was a bench warmer who wasn't supposed to be on the bench. Um, my coach was very much, if you had a single mom that, and you didn't have a dad there to kind of intimidate him into being able to like, hey, what are you doing? He would take advantage of that. So I remember going to Washington DC or no, Washington state, um, going to the Marcus True Farm Camp, getting all camp wide receiver, uh, getting all camp athlete, coming back down and telling them, hey, I got these accolades. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for this season. I've been training. They told me in July, you were going to ride the bench because you missed a passing tournament. And if anybody doesn't know what a passing tournament, you do that with your helmet on and some clothes and some shorts. That don't got nothing to do with what you can do in the season. But that's what he told me. In July, I knew I wasn't going to play the rest of the season. Season doesn't start until September. I knew I was not going to play that entire time. I went up, we used to go to the University of Reno back when Ka uh, Kaepernick was there. They actually, I was doing well in the drills and they said, hey, do you want to go catch for Cap? And I was like, yeah, of course. Who wouldn't want to go catch over there? My coach said, nah, he's not the right one to do it. Um, get these guys. And of course, those are my guys. Like we were brothers on the team. They're great receivers. But to be able to have that slip from me that quickly was really, really rough because when I went up to that Marcus Street Farm Camp, the coaches told me, hey, we've already seen enough to offer you a scholarship. We just got to bring it to our entire program. So give us like two minutes worth of film. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go back. I only need a couple of catches. I just need to show them what I can do. At one point, we were beating a team 56 to 6. I told my coach, it's my senior year. I will do a hitch route. I will catch the ball at five yards and I will go down. Please just let me get a catch. Didn't allow me to get a catch. So when I got to DBC, I finally got coaches that believed. What's DBC? Which is Diablo Valley College over here in Concord. I oh, got it. So when I finally got there, I got coaches that believed in me. I had coaches that actually wanted to coach me. Um, we transitioned purely off our talent at Deer Valley. We came to DVC or Diablo Valley College 
um, straight off of just talent. When we got there, we started to learn X's and O's, how to read defenses, how to run your routes correctly, how to sit, how to show yourself open to your quarterback. I learned the game in a whole different facet. So that's why when I lost it, it was so heavy for me. It, it really did push me into a place of depression because I was like, I went through four years of people just pulling the rug from me to finally have this opportunity where coaches believed in me and something like a hamstring injury took me out to where I couldn't show what I could actually do. Man, you know, um, I ha have a not entirely like uh, exact kind of similar uh, story, mm -hmm. but my last uh, my last football game on my senior year in high school, I didn't get to play. Um, I actually mm. sat the bench and that was because my mom had just gotten surgery the week before. So I was hanging out with my mom the whole week in the, mm -hmm. in the hospital. And my coach was like, nope, he didn't practice. You can't play. I was like, why does my last, well, we were in the playoffs, mm -hmm. but yep. I didn't know that would be my last, uh, game in high school. I, I think what... going through things like that just helps you, man, it helps you tremendously. Right. Because, oh yeah. Number one, you, you look at leadership different, right? Like, wow, if I was in that mm -hmm. position, what would I have done? Yeah. Um, then with how you feel afterwards, right? You're depressed. Yeah. You're probably just upset, angry. Mm -hmm. Then how do you maneuver through that as well? Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess most importantly is how you were able to come out of that. And mm -hmm. I guess let's kind of transition a little bit into how the X's and O's, these plays that you were able to learn and um, in, in, in college, how do they correlate with now the business that you're in, in real estate? Because I feel that's so important, right? The, 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 the routes, the plays, right? Are we doing uh, buyer's presentations? Are we talking about, yep. you know, listing presentations? Are we talking about first time home buyers? Are we talking about uh, seasoned investors? So can you talk a little bit about how uh, these quote unquote plays, um, have, yep. have helped you out in your business. Oh yeah. Tremendously, tremendously. I tell, that's why when I talk to athletes that have especially made it to the collegiate level, I say, if you can learn a playbook, you can learn anything in life. Cause those playbooks, people don't understand. They'll be like this thick. Oh, yeah. Not only do you got to learn your playbook, but you also got to understand what the defense is most likely doing. So you got to learn their technique and what they're doing. So it provides you with this understanding that you can do anything. When I came up against real estate, the first thing when I got my book, I was like, all right, well, I had to learn not only the playbook, I had to learn the checks. I had to learn as we're going into different offenses because we're driving down, there's a two minute offense, there's a four minute offense, there's all these different offenses. Why could I not learn what an acre is? Why can I not learn how to write a contract? Why can I not learn how to do a buyer's presentation? There's nothing I can't learn because I was able to master those playbooks. And also when I was doing it and fully engulfed in being a, because you're, your season does not start in your season. Everything that you accomplish in your season was taken care of in the off season. Everything that you do in those times were the seeds that you sowed when you were at, there was no pads, when it was just you and your quarterback inside the room going over film. All those things, I said, well, if I do those exact same uh, ways that I did those, now with real estate, there's nothing that can stop me because whenever I lined up against a, a corner, 
I just said, I'm so sorry that you're going to have to line up against me. You, you're lined up against me. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go ahead and take this route for you because I was so confident in the two-a-days that I put in and not only just the two-a-days, but then also going to in shape after and going to get my workout in. So I knew I had my body correct. I was so confident in all those things that I had done. Now, when I go up against real estate, I just transition that same mindset into real estate and I can accomplish anything because nothing is too big if you can learn those playbooks. And I wanted to ask you about this uh, crazy deal because sometimes you have to... Um... Uh, improvise on these plays, right? Yep. Like uh, yep. our, our man from Kansas City, right? Um, the quarterback. Um, so talk talk to me about that deal that you had where you had, I can't remember if it was a buyer or a seller. Somebody was locked up. And Oh, yes. And and that's that's not in the playbook. <laughs> you have yeah, to learn on no, the go. <laughs> it is not. It is but not. it's good to so, know, right? Yeah. It's good to know. So exactly. talk a little bit about that, how that deal went down. I think you closed on it if I'm not mistaken. So, so we yeah, did, man. we were uh, able to close, brought, uh, I had a wonderful client who um, was a nurse. She's an amazing woman um, and her husband, it was locked up. And so for me, I'm the people's agent. Who am I to tell you that you can't accomplish generational wealth because you have an, a significant other in prison. That's not fair. The prison population is always rising based off the system that we're in. So it's more than likely that I may come across this, but you should be able to secure happiness for your, your family. So this is why just like in football, it's key to have great coaches around you, key to have great people around you, because someone on our team, Ben Rojas, uh, told me, hey, look it, this is the play you're going to have to run. You're, you thought that you were going to be able to just submit an offer and do this and go through contingencies and all the, no. First thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get this paperwork signed and you're going to have to send it out um, for the notary to sign with the prison. Something I learned in mid to be able to shake and move because that safety came down and now I got to change my route was you, I had to learn that you don't just call up to the prisons and talk to the COs or the correctional officers or the warden or anything like that. You wanna actually talk to the administrative person responsible for that particular inmate because they can bypass um, the mailing after it got checked and they can take it directly to them and schedule the notary right away. So I had to learn these things on the fly. And as I did, I'm reassuring to my client, look it, we're still good. We're okay. Why I felt comfortable telling them that was because I talked to leadership on our squad. I said, hey, this is coming up, that's coming up. You know, how does it look when you've had it come up? Oh, I haven't really had that come up, but it should still be good based off of this, this, and this. And it was just one of those things that you kept having to move and pivot. And all I kept thinking was, okay, well, what if that linebacker came into where I was about to run my route? Well, now I need to go ahead and do a different route. Or like you were saying about Patrick Mahomes, you know, your receivers start one way and then he scrambles back to the other way. So now I got to flip fire and go back the opposite way so that I can be open for my quarterback and still get us a successful play. At the end of the day, Focus on how you can be successful. Don't focus on what the problem is. What is the solution to the problem? And that 
uh, transaction really made me understand, stay focused on the solutions. If I focused on the problem, that's she was working with another agent prior and they were just focusing on the problem. Hey, your husband's in jail. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what we're going to do. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, well, let's focus on the solution. What can we do? Cause there's no reason you can't get to the end of the line. They're telling the lenders telling me everything is okay. So let's get you to the end of the line and let's figure out the solutions midway through. Yeah, I love that so much, man, because that's what I that's kind of like the philosophy I think that has helped me out a lot is where I, I, I try to be a problem solver. Right. Mm -hmm. And in order for you to be a problem solver, you know, you have to know what the problem is. Yep. And then if I can't solve it, I have to then go to my teammates. Right. Or leadership and find out, hey, I have a problem I can't solve. Can you guys assist me in, in solving this mm -hmm. problem? And it sounds like that's what you you also practice as well, learning how to navigate through that ensuring that you focus on just the result or the solution rather than just getting them a half-ass result, which may not exactly. work for them. Yep. Um, I'm sure there was pressure <laughs> during that transaction. Like, how do you, how do you handle that? Cause I know you're someone who, um, I think you've, you've spoken about this a little bit in some of the team meetings and stuff like that, where you, you know, you meditate, you have like your morning rituals. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause uh, I probably need some of that. Cause sometimes, man, I, of course, yeah, I go crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, that pressure <laughs> get real. People don't understand the back end of this whole thing. But no, I do. I definitely meditate. Um, I love to work out. I love to do those things that ground me. Um, yeah. But I also had to break bad habits during that time. Because Ooh. traditionally, from where I came from, um, I didn't have an outlet of a leadership team that I could go to and say, hey, look, at, I'm having this problem and they would help me figure it out. It was more so everything got weighed on me and I just didn't figure it out because I was like, it's not even worth it to go to them. With this team, I have that ability to do that, but I still was in that habit of not taking advantage of it and going and doing that. So I would still allow things to pile up. So when I noticed that I was saying, you know what, this is getting kind of crazy. I don't know what to do. Let me just not talk to anybody. I said, no, Jeff, that's the wrong thing to do. That is the old habit. That is the old you. You need to break that cycle. You need to go and get on at 12 o'clock with Karina and talk to her about what's going on and get the solution. So I had to break that habit, um, but also understand that I saw a quote on Instagram. You know, we all love seeing quotes on Instagram, but I really love this quote because it's funny and it's it's like, it's cool, but it says like, everything is figure outable. Figure outable is not a question, it's not a word. You know what I'm saying? But I love- to Sounds good. Philosophy now. <laughs> yeah, like I love to figure, cause like when you're in those intense pressure moments, especially in real estate, especially if maybe you're new or you've never come across this before, if the first thing that you tell yourself is everything is figure outable, well, now you're focused on the solution. You're not saying, oh, hey, why did this happen to me? I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. I don't know how to figure this out. That's going to lead to focusing on the problem. Well, my philosophy, I, whenever I get into those moments, I'll be like, man, everything's figure outable. So let me figure it out. Let me find the solution to how I can figure this out and get to the point where the pressure is less, but also understanding the pressure don't go away. So now 
when I come across somebody else who has a spouse in prison, hey, don't worry about that. I got you. I got you. I've already done this before. I know the tools that we need. I know the plays we need to run. If you just work with me, just like them, I'm going to get you to the finish line. And then now when that comes up the next time, it's less pressure. It's just me going off and doing what I need to do, but also maneuvering and shaking how I'm supposed to if something does come up. Um, another thing I do that's really, really key that was very pivotable, pivotal, pivotal to that was I stay in constant communication with lender, with title, and with um, the other listing agent. And I always approach with empathy, with an open heart, with communication. Every single time I wrote it, write an email, I hope your day is going great. Because a lot of times in our industry, we don't interact in that space. We just interact with the, hey, this is the transaction. What needs to be done? You better have it done. Uh, how are you? How, how was your weekend? Your weekend was good? Oh, that's dope. Yeah, no, I was with the kids. We were chilling. We talked. So I had that open communication from the jump with the listing agent and really just started it on a, you're a human, I'm a human. We understand that we need to work as a team to get this to the end. And that's what helped us when we needed those extensions because this didn't come from we closed on time and you know every, all the paperwork was signed with the prison and it got back. No, we needed a couple of extensions in there. And I was like, hey, you know what? I know that you guys don't really want to do this, but this is what, but we're still going to get there. I promise you, we're going to get to the finish line. And because we had that open communication, she trusted me and my word that we were going to get there. And I had already executed on everything else I said that I was going to do for her. So when it came to this, she was like, of course, Jeff will execute because I've already had that uh, relationship formed. Yeah. I think that's a really, really strong word that we have to use more of, right? Trust. Uh, it, it, you know, when we're in uh, in a contract or when we're in escrow, not just with our clients, but really with other lend the lenders involved, uh, mm -hmm. title, um, the other agent, and even maybe even the the opposite clients, right? Whether they're sellers or they're buyers, is tr is truly important. Mm -hmm. And um, over overall, do you think that this has propelled you to the point where now now you're like in a leadership place? Uh, all these isolated incidents, right, where, where you gained so much knowledge, did that prepare you to become uh, a squad leader? Because now you're a squad leader in Team Fast, which is amazing. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about that, how, how these uh, incidents helped you out to becoming a great leader? Yeah, I, they definitely did because um, one thing that I've learned from other leadership uh, roles that I've had is a great leader listens. A great leader usually talks less. So when I was going through these times where I was learning about interspousal grant deeds and how to do this, or I was having these tough, because every single transaction is not smooth there. You thank God when you get those ones, but you also know that the, the stormy ones are going to come. When I went through those things and I tapped in with our leadership and I tapped in with other people, I just listen more. I sat back and I listen more. And that's what you need when you go into these spaces where you are a team leader and you are a Zillow Flex leader is you need to listen to your squad. You need to understand what they need. And that the other thing is, is that every single transaction is different, right? 
Same thing with the squad. Everybody that you interact with is going to be different. They're going to need different things from you. They're going to need, um, you know, you to be a little bit different, maybe in a different capacity. And I learned that way back in football. I was never someone that worked well with, and it's crazy because it's football, with the screaming coaches. I did not, I grew up in a abusive household. I grew up with screaming and yelling and punching and all these things that when you yelled and screamed at me, that wasn't the best way to get the most out of me. You could still kick me in the butt. You could still give me criticism and, you know, be hard on me. But when you're yelling and screaming in my face, that's not the best way to get the best out of me. And coaches didn't always recognize that. And like we said earlier, what did those things of being interactive with those type of coaches teach you about the leader that you wanted to be? Well, I realized that, okay, when I get into a leadership position, whether it's coaching or in a different capacity, I want to make sure that I'm the coach or the leader that that person needs. I'm not just this blanket leader and you guys conform to me. How I do things is how I do things. So you guys better get with mine or get out of here. No, a leader says, okay, maybe I got to be a little different with this person. And then I, I can also be a little different there, but still at the same time, hold people accountable, um, move their needle, get them where they want to get to, but be what they need to be. Yeah, man, that's so cool. Um, to the point where you're actually a coach, right? You you coach uh, uh, the junior yeah, giants. I coach, I coach a little bit of, bit, bit of baseball. The goal <laughs> is one day to- That's uh, awesome get into coaching some football, uh, but that's gonna take a little more time because I wanna do it right. So back in the day when I was at Diablo Valley College, we had a coaching class. So I'm hoping they still have something like that and I'll re and get back into it because I just love pouring into people, especially like young um, athletes and just teaching them. Because the first thing that I did after I went through and matriculated through high school and college, was I would just go back and go back to Deer Valley and say, hey, you know, this is what you're going to go through because the coach was still there. I was like, hey, look, at this is what you're going to have to go through. And there's one guy that um, he was going through the same thing I was going through and I was coaching him up. He ended up now being a, a rugby player. And and so, you know, I, I told him like, yo, you're probably going to have to deal with some, some BS here and you're not going to be able to show your true um, abilities. But that doesn't mean that you're not good enough to make it in some capacity. Keep grinding, keep doing. So being able to pour into people. Uh, I, I like how you say keep grinding, keep doing your thing. I know that you're a big Nipsey Hustle fan. So uh, I feel like he's 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 deaf. Well, first of all, he's dope, right? Uh, cool cat. What I really yeah. like about him is that he he embraced everybody in his community, you know, black and yeah. brown and everybody else. And yep. I mean, an entrepreneur, uh, really big on real estate too. Um, yeah. He was one of the first uh, rappers who pretty much said, hey, listen, I don't need jewelry. I don't need a flashy yep. car, but you do need to invest in some yep. real estate, something along those yep. lines. Yep. So yep. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, wh why is he such, uh, someone that's so inspirational uh, to, you know, to everything that you're doing? Of course. Yes. Nip, that's my, my that's my dude. Like, I grew up listening to Nip, like his first mixtapes, all that. So it was like. Um, when I lost football, I, like I said, I was going through depression, but you know what I'm saying? Depression looked different for different people. So mm -hmm. I was able to still get straight A's or like high GPA and do this and go to work and all these things I'm functioning. I'm doing, cause I know I've always known I got to grind. I got to make it like, I got a single mom who, you know what I'm saying? Can barely 
pay the mortgage. I got to make sure I keep $900 in my savings account so that if we do need money for the mortgage, I can go ahead and give that to her. So I was still functioning and moving, but I was feeling the weight of it all. And I was also at a point where school had just broke for me too, because I, being an athlete, I was on a particular track. And so what a track is, is in school, as an athlete, you only have to hit a certain amount of credits to be able to transfer to a four-year. And it's different than if you're just going there for your regular degree. Well, I was on the athlete track at first, but when I got hurt, I continued it because nobody told me a transition to this other track. So after doing two years at my, um, at DVC, at Diablo Valley College, um, they told me, you're not eligible to transfer. You'll probably have to come back for another two to three years. Well, community college, you're only supposed to do that for two years and get out to your four year. So now I'm at four or five years where all my guys are going to get scholarships. They're transferring. I'm the only one left at this school. I'm like, yo, this is just the world. And like, those negative thoughts we can't we can't stop them from coming in but we don't always have to entertain them but at this point i was entertaining them i was like look it this is just the universe telling you you ain't nothing more than what you're supposed to be what the statistics say you're supposed to be locked up you're supposed to be sharing a jail cell with your dad you're supposed to be getting into the family business selling dope like why would you even try to go accomplish anything like a degree why would you even try these things and so i'm sitting in my car and these things are going through my head but a nip track is on and he says, no matter what you went to, no matter what you've been through, I feel like I got to tell you, you got something to contribute. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait. So I rewind it and I throw it back. And it's like, no matter what you into, no matter what you've been through, I feel like I got to tell you, you got something to contribute. And at that point, I really felt like he was talking to me. Like I was really like, damn, he's really talking to me right now. He's really saying that I need to, you you have those negative thoughts do away with them you still at the end of the day you went through those things but you got something to contribute to this world you got something that is your light that nobody else can nobody else has and that you need to show from there he started talking high level stuff mogul always talking about equity um i 360 myself and so i exercise control in the um Inside the music game, a 360 deal means that your label controls everything about you to the point of your name. That's why the artist formerly known as Prince is what Prince ended as instead of just being Prince because he signed a 360 deal. So the label controlled everything about that. So as I'm listening to his lyrics, I'm just like, yo, this is where I want to be in life. This is who I want to be. To be able to stand 10 toes with your community and be out there amongst people that a lot of these higher class or different people would be scared to walk the path with them and go and listen to them. You're able to walk into that and be who you're supposed to be. But also at the same time, he says, I got these, basically I got these big wigs at this table afraid to bait me or to to bait me or these sharks at the table to afraid to bait me saying these like these big executives they're scared to be like trying to play them and say like oh we'll send you this weak deal because they know he functions his business at a high level and it was just one of those things that to me he was a revolutionary of our time 
He was more than music. I never got to see Huey P. Newton. I never got to see Malcolm X. I never got to see these people, but I got to see uh, Nipsey Hussle. And I got to live his marathon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So as soon as as soon as his uh, his um, his tickets went on sale, I copped him. I was like, there's no way. Because well, I'm, I'm driving down. Uh, he was in San Francisco. Oh, nice. So we went on his victory lap tour uh, for his album. I wanted to make sure to give bro his roses in person. And I'm yeah. so thankful that I did. Like, and and that's the other thing is that like, people will tell you don't record at your favorite artists' shows and stuff, be in the moment. Nah, record bro. Cause you <laughs> never know when they're gonna be gone. You never know. Like my lady, she was like, when I was buying tickets she was pregnant at the time and she was like, oh no. I'll just catch him on the next tour. I'll catch him at the next concert. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. The next concert never came. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'm so thankful that I got to go to that concert that I just said, I don't care what's happening. I want to give bro his flowers while he's here. And I was able to accomplish that. I still go down to the, the store, leave flowers, leave things like that. Um, I made down a in sign LA. that said, yep, down in LA, down there on Crenshaw. So me and Miles uh, Tillman from the team, we actually went down for his funeral service. And oh, it was wow. crazy how that happened. It was crazy. I was working at InShape. It happened on a Thursday, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday. When our, um, when our schedules came out, I didn't have the day off. So I was like, oh, Miles, you know, we were planning on going. I'm not going to be able to go. It's that time of the year that they're not able to uh, let us just have any days off. So I was like, all right, whatever, it's cool maybe like three or four days go by a new schedule comes out for no reason and my, he doesn't know that like Nip, my 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 boss there he wasn't like in on like what nipsey hustle and everything but this new schedule comes out and i'm looking at it and i'm like wait i'm off thursday i'm off thursday and friday and i'm like oh that means we could go down to the road trip <laughs> Yeah, so I called because I know at a given time, the only person that I could call, especially for Nipsey Hustle, would be Miles. I'm like, hey, bro, I got it off. I'm able to book this car right now through Enterprise. Are you down to go ahead and take a trip? Yeah, bro, of course, of course. So we smashed down there literally the night before. We get there like one, go to sleep, go to the funeral, go be amongst the people. Like it was a beautiful sight. Like, you know you have Bloods, Crips, different sets, different people, people that most likely had beef with each other uh, months ago or weeks ago that were there and they were just there to give love to Nip. And that's the magnitude of who he was. He got all these people literally rose like it was thousands and thousands of people all the way down Crenshaw that from where the eye could see, it was just sea of people and everybody was just showing love we went down talked to the store owners and everything like that and they're like we've never seen the area this calm and this peaceful and yeah it's like it's from a bad thing because nip passed but we've we have an experience where there's been nothing there's been no fighting there's been no shootings relatively like it's just been calm and peaceful and that was them paying respect to who he was and what he stood for who do you think is the closest that we have now alive in, in, in that world, whether, well, I guess, I guess you could say culture, whether it's an actor, an artist, um, singer, uh, rapper, like, who do you think it's at that level right now where 
we should definitely appreciate them before something bad happens. Um, I would say Cap, Kaepernick for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like he he deserves his roses. Some people say he doesn't speak enough in, in certain capacities, but bro still put it on the line that a lot of people weren't weren't willing and able to do. I know for me as an athlete, that would have been hard for me to take a stand when you know it's going to cost you your livelihood. It's going to cost you everything that you started at seven years old playing all the way through. And now it's here and you have it and it's attainable, but it slips through your hand like sand because you wanted to stand on something that you felt in your heart was right. So Cap definitely, Cole World, J. Cole, I, I've caught every single one of his um, of his uh, um, concerts, literally every single one from 2014 Forest Hill Drive up to the last album. I've caught every single one. Um, he's another one that speaks on it. Um, yeah, I think I think those two would be good ones. I'd have to think more on who else. Um, what about you? Um, you I, yeah, I I think E forty. Ooh. Um, yep. and, and I think Snoop Dogg. And what I really enjoy about Snoop Dogg. I like that. By the way, I'm not like a super hardcore hip hop guy, so I don't want to oh, come no, across. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no! But but um, and the reason why I say Snoop Dogg is because he's very diverse, and all all his projects are very diverse. I love that. Uh, you know, um, he, I, I think he was in a cartoon with, uh, where he was a Yo, Doberman. Yeah. Um, he yep. cooks with, uh, Martha Stewart. He yep. still hangs out with some real cats, you know? Yep. So I, I, I think it takes a special person to do that, you know? And when I think of like this business, I want to be able to help as many people as possible. And I think the key that he has or what he uses a lot is he's, he, he's himself, right? He, mm -hmm. He's like, Hey, this is me. I'm flawed. I like to smoke a little weed, you know, or maybe not a little you know weed, saying? maybe a lot of weed. <laughs> yeah, a little, a lot. <laughs> but people um, know who he is. And I, I think that's really, really important in this business when people get to know who you are. Uh, well, really any business. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why I think um, he's someone that should definitely be uh, valued a little bit more than he probably is at that moment. With Kaepernick, you know, I think, I think Kaepernick, what he did was brave. I think that, you know, always going against you know, popular opinion, it's always, always brave. I, I just feel like sometimes he, th there's a lot, there's a lot of rage out there, you know, that, well, maybe not rage, I shouldn't probably use the word rage, because obviously, I don't know him, I don't know what he thinks. But it comes across yeah. that there's a lot of anger, where I think mm. other folks, uh, you know, like maybe uh, Muhammad Ali, or, or, or even uh, Dr. Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, they almost came came from a, a, um, a, an intention of like love and, and really trying to unite. But then at the same time, I understand, right? I understand mm -hmm. why he feels that way, or at least I have an mm -hmm. inclination, right? Because he's seen a lot of injustices. He grew up in a uh, biracial family. I, I believe, I believe, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, he grew up in a white family, but yeah. uh, his I think his mom was uh, black, His adoptive right? parents are, are white. Um, right. And so, um, but yeah, I would, I would tell you to watch his new Netflix, the new Netflix special that the show that came out, it gives a lot of insight. It's really, really, it's really, really deep to understand what he was going through as a, um, adopted black man in a white 
predominantly white area. Sherlock, um, right? And no, yeah, and no outlets. Yeah. Of really being able to interact and be himself, and to like they talk about getting cornrows, and and if people don't know, that's where you get your hair yeah. braided back, and it's you know like that. And I'm thinking back, and I'm like, damn, I had these same uh, hairstyles when I was young. But the only difference was, was I was going home to a black mom who was able to do it for me. So I never thought of cornrows as me looking like a thug. I just thought I looked fresh as hell. Boy, I'm looking good. But like when he went and got it, the first things that his parents thought of was a thug. And because that's what the media portrays. His own parents thought that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They at one point, there's one point where they're talking and they're at the dinner table and and the baseball coach had just told them that he's going to have to cut his hair or change his hair because of the um, appearance that he's giving off. And that doesn't work for baseball. This baseball team doesn't do that. And his mom and he's saying, like, why do I have to change? Like, this is just my hair. Like, why is it? Why am I the person that has to be the bigger person all the time? I'm still a child. Why are they not being more understanding of this is who I am? And she was like, because you look like a thug. And then it, it, it's it's uh, awkward, silent moment. And, and you know, it, it you can tell the actor who played Cap at, for that era, it, uh, the young Cap, did a tremendous job yeah. in, in understanding and feeling that. Um, and, and to your point about, like, the rage of him, I'm going to be honest. Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, during their times, they were not accepted. Their polls of what you would take at that time specifically of who they were, they were not accepted among society. It took years and years of the hearts being able to open up to what they were doing. And I feel like that's where we're still at with Cap is that people are still in the feeling like Muhammad Ali, if he's going, I'm going to flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He was just like that in his activism. If you go back and look at his, um, on YouTube, his, his interviews at the time when he's telling white women in the audience about themselves and and because she asked him a question those type of interactions they were like yo this man is crazy he's a hothead he's a loose cannon um same thing with Malcolm X most people they they only focus on the years of Malcolm X when he was deep into Elijah Muhammad's um, uh, trainings and things like that. But nobody really goes and dives deep about the back end and the last chapters of the autobiography of Malcolm X when he literally says he changed his name to El-Haj Malik El-Shabazz. When when he was that person, when he said he went to Mecca and he sat there and he prayed with blonde hair, blue eyes, white men and were able to treat each other with dignity and understood that this training or these teachings that I had about what race specifically was weren't really what it is. And now I need to go back and change up. And he was accountable for the times that he said certain things. Like there's one point in the book where a white woman comes and she he's eating uh, at a restaurant and a white woman comes and she says, what can I do? What can I do to help your movement and at that time he was deep into the teachings of um of being a muslim and you know that type of teaching and he tells her there's nothing you can do there's nothing you need to get out of here you just need to get out of my face there's nothing you can do 
Well, in the later ends of the book, he reflects on that very moment. He says, you know what? I actually could have told her that she could have did this, this, and this. She, there was actually a space for me to open up a dialogue where we could have had a great conversation about how we could move this forward. But I was so deep into these teachings, but no one wants to give you that full understanding of where people that are radical or revolutionaries are coming from. Just like the Black Panthers. If you let people tell you about the Black Panthers, they're never gonna tell you that they went into white neighborhoods that were impoverished and didn't have healthcare and showed them how to start the same programs of the free lunch program and the healthcare program. They're not gonna tell you about those times. They're only gonna tell you about the time that they marched on the Capitol with guns. With guns. It wasn't illegal at the time. In that time, it wasn't illegal. California was an open carry state. It wasn't until a Republican governor, which was, what what was that president, uh, Reagan, it was Ronald Reagan at the time that decided to make California different for guns and that you can't be an open carry state because they decided to show their rights of being able to have these guns in out in the open, but it wasn't right for them because it was rageful and it was it was wrong and it it's the wrong way to do it. You need to do it this way. Same with Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King said, I fear that I may have integrated my people into a burning building because he feared the later ends of his years, he became more radical. If we would have allowed Martin Luther King and Martin, or sorry, Martin Luther King and Malcolm to live out their days, they would have most likely been in the same space as far as their ideals and where they wanted to take the country because Martin started to understand, hey, and he was always more of a, a revolutionary and a radical, but they pacify his image and what he is um, to the masses to make it palatable. That's why it's easy to have a Martin Luther King Jr. day and it's hard to get a Malcolm X day because they're gonna take the passive nature of Martin Luther King, but they're not gonna teach you about his letters from uh, Birmingham when he wrote those letters inside the jail. They're not gonna teach those full holistic views of them because that might skew away or tell people, hey, no, 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 that's not right. Don't do it that way. Do it this way. Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of what I meant, right? Maybe obviously, uh, Cap's not a violent guy, so probably rage is not no, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the best uh, word to describe him. But uh, maybe because he's just so polarizing, right? I mean, either you love mm -hmm. him or you hate him, and I think that that division is is, is really. Uh, I wonder if there's any progress that can be made when there is such division like that. Um, Personally, like, look, if he wants to take a knee, I'm for it. I was in the military. I feel mm -hmm. like freedom of speech is really, really important in this country, uh, as long as you're not inciting violence or anything like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, at least I hope that if you are someone who takes a knee or you're someone who stands up for the flag, um, that it could be respected and at least understand yep. each other's point of view so you, we could find some yep. common ground. And I think that's what's missing. The art of, and, the art of communication, 100%. the art of the conversation having this, having dialogue where it's not ego driven, it's not from a place of right and wrong. Like we've, we've talked about this before in the yeah. office where we're saying like, you know, having those even kill conversations to be able to get it out and address what your side is. Same thing with being able, like I told you that story where 
uh, when I was working at Sears, a guy walked up to me and he had more swastikas tattooed on his yeah. body than I could count. <laughs> That's crazy. In his ear, on his face, on his, like at least I counted 16 swastikas in the time that I was going to be able to count and look at him. Um, and the first thoughts were, my thoughts were, all right, where's a bat? Where is something that if it get if it pop off, I'm not the one to just sit there and just not today. Take your beating. No, <laughs> we you met the wrong one. We finna go at this right here. I'm in my Sears uniform, but nah, brother, <laughs> you ain't doing that to me. And something in me told me like, how you know he still lived that? How you know that that's 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 him? He might have made some mistakes and got some tattoos that. Um, you know, were him at one point, but how you know that's him? And so I just, I still was able to point some things out just in case, because I'm never one to go ahead and get caught leaking. So I looked around, I'm like, okay, I know where some things are at, but I was like, hey, how you doing? How's it going today? And we had to end up having a conversation on God's love at the end of the day. And have a great day. He have a great day to me. He went about his business. I went about mine. But had I kept that energy that I wanted and I anticipated having, had I kept that, then I probably would have attacked or not attacked, but like uh, addressed that conversation differently. And I, and he probably would have felt that energy, but because I was able to be like, all right, well, I know I can protect myself. Like you ain't just going to do anything to me, but how do I know that that's his intention walking up? We were open. We were able to open up a dialogue that was completely different. And that's where the art of having a conversation of living in duality. I say this all the time. I live in in a very duality space where I can have different points of view coming at me, ingest it, make it palatable, understand it, and still have a high functioning conversation. But what I need is the other side also to be willing and able to do that. Exactly, to meet me there. And it's not even just meeting you in the middle because I still feel like the middle is a place where you're still thinking that there's a win and there's a loss and there's one side or the other side. It's just meeting us as we are and saying, let's have a conversation and I'll educate you on some things and you'll educate me on some things and we'll be able to talk about this. At the end of the day, do you have to change your mind? No, but are you able to have a paradigm shift if I do provide you with information about a certain topic that does make you say, oh, okay, that, that's kind of something, but kill your ego so that you don't say, oh, I, I do understand that, but it still doesn't rec- ra- rationalize with me. I'm not going to go ahead and take that point of view because at the end of the day, I feel like that's what happens is that people hear things and they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense but it doesn't align with my values and my ego. So I'm not going to allow that to seep in and have some understanding from it. Yeah. And like you said, that's a great, that's a great skill to have because Mm. I mean, not just in life, right. Kind of, you know, having these uh, awesome discussions, but also, you know, in business too, because you're going to have people who, who think their way is the best way and being able to understand each other is so important. And again, it goes back to trust. I think trust is really, really important. Um, in any type of relationship that you have, whether it's with clients or, you know, uh, anybody in this field. Yeah. Um, talk about, uh, and by the way, thank you for elaborating on all this, because I think it's really important to have these conversations, you know, like I feel a certain way about it, kind of like 
you know, you've definitely feel a certain way about it. I don't know if we're hundred percent agree, but it, I'm like cool with it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I feel like you, like, like, like you mentioned earlier, it's just, as long as we can understand each other and then definitely like, I haven't watched the Netflix. I, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch it, but I will watch it because um, mm-hmm. I will learn something. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it's just one of those things where we have to be very objective, right? And then the reality mm-hmm. is like these bad things are taking place in our society, right? There is racism, yeah. there are, uh, there's still prejudice. I mean, even within the mm-hmm. housing market, right? They're still taking yep. place. Uh, there is, um, there are some steps that people are, um, you know, uh, putting in place, implementing so mm-hmm. that, you know, our, our folks could have a better chance to obtain uh, home ownership, which is great. Yep. And yep. the reason why that's happening is because, you know, somebody was yelling from the rooftop saying, fuck this, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it kind of started triggering. So it's it's true that uh, these these actions do have consequences. And yeah, they're not they might not be as polished uh, as maybe yeah. some folks may want it to be, but they mm-hmm. are necessary. So I definitely thank you mm-hmm. for uh, just kind of, you know, shining some shedding some light on that topic. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, Talk to me about who do you think has been very, uh, uh, who has been a positive influence in both your real life and your business life? Because I think you are going to be, well, you are at least in my eyes, someone who is very positive in the real estate game. And I know you are going to be for a lot of young cats coming up uh, to just be you, mm-hmm. right? Think how you want to think, yeah. and express yourself so long as you have, you know, integrity and uh, trustworthiness, all that stuff. But who has been someone in your life who you've thought to yourself, wow, they, they've made a great impact in my uh, both business or, uh, profes- or uh, professional life or personal life? I got I got a couple of names. So first, you know, you got to give you got to give moms. You know what I mean? Yeah. I tell people all the time, moms, uh, grandma, I would I would be dead or in jail without a mother and a grandmother's love. That that's where I would be because. I didn't, I, by sixth grade, I was reading at a second grade level. Had my mom told me, you're stupid. You're, you're not, you're not shit. You're going to be just like your dad and all these things. I would have became a self-fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. I would have been that. And my mom has always been one that when DVC didn't work out and these things were, you know, weighing on me and I wasn't able to accomplish certain things that I wanted to. She always instilled in me, like, just keep going, like, just keep going. If you keep going, you're going to find your path. You're going to find where you need to be. And that right there kept me in the game every single time something trials and tribulations came up at the end of the day. I knew my mom believed in me enough that I needed to keep going and that I wanted to show her what she instilled in me was reflective and that I was going to be what she and uh, taught me or what she instilled in me. Um, someone else I would definitely say is Elias. So shout out to RG, uh, the sensei, Mr. <laughs> Elias, bro, like for real, because, yo, he's so transparent with his story and where he comes from. And I know that story. Like I, I felt that story growing up. I've been in those places, in those spaces and come from those things that he had to overcome and and to be so open. And I always said I was an open book, but it gave me more opportunity to say like, no, I can live my truth of what I went through these things so that I can be a change 
And the first thing, the first conversations me and Elias had where I was telling them like, yo, I'm tired of being, when we were talking about real estate, I was like, I'm tired of being mediocre at something I know I could be great at. And he was like, yo, you're in the right place. We got you. But to always have him as an anchor of like, he's positivity, but he's also like, he gonna get on you and he's gonna push you. He's exactly what I would have hoped that my coach would have been in all those different facets of my life. I would have excelled had I had an Elias in a coach during those times, I would have excelled because like I said, I'm not one that you need to yell at in my face and scream at and blah, blah, blah. That's going to push me to a different page. And that page, I don't like going to that page because I can get to it, but I don't want to. With If I would have had that type of person in those capacities, I would have been like, all right, let's go. It's good. But I'm thankful that I have it now because this is truly where I need to be. If I, if I have that now, now I'm running my marathon. Now I'm walking in my purpose. And I do have that coach there or that person, that mentor, that friend that I can tap into that can tell you like, yo, you're doing this wrong. Just pivot it this way, but you got this big dog. You got this, go ahead and do Get out there, do what you got to do. He's going to push you, but he's also going to do it with a place of love. And it never comes across to me because he knows he can talk to me in that capacity because what we both experienced growing up, he knows he can have that dialogue with me, that real dialogue, and he can push me. And I'm just like, yo, I take it. I'm like, yo, it, I've implemented it multiple times. And now I see the fruits of that, those conversations. So I definitely say Elias has changed the game for me, um, especially in my career, but also in my, my life as a man, seeing him as a father, you know what I'm saying? Doing a uh, business at a high capacity, but also having a, a, a baby at the same age, the age range that I have, both having a three-year-old. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I can do this. I can do this and still be there for my son and not allow me growing up. Jail, I didn't see my dad for years on end. There were multiple times where birthdays, things like that, Christmas, Halloween, all those, I don't remember my dad being there at all. But I didn't want work to be my jail for my son. And he showed me like, yo, you don't have to give up being there for your kids as they grow up just because you want to be successful in this business. And for, for people watching and listening, Elias, he's our uh, Team Fast sales director. Is that? Yep. Our sales yeah, I coach. Sales, I mean, he's a lot of, he does coach. a lot of stuff, but I mean. He is a, and, you know, a he, pillar. He, <laughs> he's a pillar for sure. Um, speaking of that, so, okay. Um, talking about your family and your kids, um, how do you balance work and uh, your personal life? Or is there such a thing? Like everybody has different takes on it. Like what's your take on it? It's hard to tell. <laughs> I'm gonna say it real to everybody that's a parent out there and it's okay. It's okay that that thing is hard. It's okay. And that's where I had to get to a space of because I was beating myself up that I'm like, yo, I'm not as productive as this person and that person. I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And I'm just like, yo, I got a whole different dynamic at home. I got a whole different thing that I'm dealing with. And it's okay to find time for your grind when you can. Um, but now things that I've done to open that up to really function at my highest capacity is 
now that COVID has kind of, you know, eased a little bit, we're able to, the, my daughter went back to school um, and my son went off to preschool. Well, we were hoping he would get all day because that would mean I'd be able to work all day and everything. Well, the preschool, because they don't have as many staff on hand right now, they're only doing it to 11. So I could have said, oh man, that means I'm not gonna be able to work all day and everything. Well, just like Bruce Lee, be like water. I was like, all right, let me flow with this. All right, so what I'm gonna do is until he does get the full time, because they're not saying that it doesn't necessarily not gonna come back, let me master my morning routine and then work from whatever I can do from there on when Monday and Wednesdays, my lady is at home. So she gets to stay home with them. Tuesdays and Thursdays, she has to go into the office. So I know those days, if I can catch a call when I can and preferably write an email and you know write it through the uh, text message, stuff like that, I'll pivot and make it work on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But Wednesdays and Mondays, I'll say, okay, well, let me master, even, even if it's a Tuesday or if it's a Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, let me master that morning routine. Let me get up. Let me make sure I drop them off. Let me go get into the gym. Let me meditate. Let me go ahead and read. Let me do those things while I have those hours. So it's really just finding those moments when you can and finding the help you can. Like we, me and my girl, we don't have like grandma and everybody. Like my mom is definitely able to watch them when she can, but she works full time too. So it's not like I can just say like, hey, Ma, can you watch them real quick while I go and work through the whole entire day? So finding the help where you can, but figuring out and saying, finding your rhythm. That's what I always, like when things got chaotic, I was just like, I just, I got to power through because I'm going to find my rhythm eventually. I'm going to find my rhythm with being a father and being in real estate. I'm going to find my rhythm eventually. And it's the same thing with football. And that's what I would think about. I would think about when Marshawn Lynch would run the ball every single time he ran the ball. It wasn't for 50 yards. It wasn't for 60 yards in a touchdown. Sometimes he hit a two yard run and another four yard run and then a two yard run. And then sometimes he would get tackled in the backfield and he would be down for negative plays, but he just kept going. And that, there's the, that, that video where he said, I just, I hit him over and 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 over because that's what you got to do. You got to attack this same thing, especially as a parent, the same way. You just got to keep going over and over and over. And then you're going to get a, you're going to find a break, even if it takes years. It took me years to get to this point where I have a rhythm now, because it was all through COVID. All through COVID, the babies were, and my daughter was home full time working on the computer. The baby wasn't going to daycare. So it took me years to get this rhythm that I have going now, but I knew I just needed to keep tacking over and over and eventually I was going to find a rhythm that works. And eventually even that was going to clear up even more because I knew COVID wasn't going to last forever, but I was going to be able to find something where I could go and get to that rhythm, but be kind to yourself. Like you're a parent, especially as young children type parent, they need us for everything. My son, even though he can go to the bathroom and he's potty trained, he will not go unless I go with him. He'll be like, dad, you better go with me. I'm like, bro, you could pee by yourself, my dude. Like, come on. But he like, he need my presence there because he's he'll get scared or, you know, a, a sound will happen. He doesn't have that cognitive understanding that like, it's nothing. It's just the house next door closing the, their, their door. Um, so be kind to yourself. Know that, that it's coming, but keep working at it. 
keep going, keep going. Because if you give up, that's the only way you're going to fail. The only way you fail is if you give up. And I'm a walking testament of that. I, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to stop. That's Nipsey say. The only thing different between me and anybody else that's going through this or might go through this is I ain't quit. I went through every emotion. I went through everything that you could possibly come up against. But one thing I wasn't going to do, I wasn't going to quit. I didn't quit. And that's really what parents, we have to understand is that give yourself that ability to go get the massage and, you know, walk, get away from the kids for a little bit, unwind. You can't pour into your children if you're on empty. A hundred percent. But also be kind to yourself and know that it's going to pop. It's going to come. It's going to come. You just got to stay in the grind, stay in the bubble. As we say in, in football, stay in the bubble and then your hole is going to open up and you got a 60 yard touchdown now. Exactly. And then it sounds like you, um, it took you a while to get this flow. And then you probably already know that this is going to be modified in a few years. Yep. Right. So you yep. have to be able to, I always say in this business, at least you, what's really going to set you apart, at least is my theory. And I'm trying to act on this is you have to be proactive and reactive almost simultaneously. You know, yep. you have to be aware of what's coming and then also uh, be moving forward and, and be proactive mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to thank you, man, for, for, for coming on. Um, I'm just going to ask maybe one or two more questions because I think, oh, first of good. all, um, Mama Lumpias, do you have an affiliation with them, bro? Are you like a business owner? That's my people. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, that's, that's just my people. So. Cause so I really see it all the time on you. Uh, I see it all the time, and I'm like, I need to, I need to ask uh, Jeff for like a, a promo code or something or a or a coupon. Oh man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I can maybe get a little discount code and drop it for my people. <laughs> but no, I, I I put out something today on my yeah. Instagram that just said like I genuinely love seeing good people win. Like mm. I love seeing good people do good. I love seeing good things happen to good people, and that is across the board. You could be at another brokerage. You could be at a different this. You could be at a different that. If you good people, like, that's why a lot of times, like, Bay Area artists, like, I'll just follow them and give them a listen just because, hey, you're from the Bay. And so I hope that you turn this thing around and you get to provide for your family and stuff like that. So I just love seeing good people win. And I originally met them when I was working at um, In Shape because my coworker, uh, that's his girlfriend whose family helped start it. Mm. So it was one of those things that when they first started it, I was like, yes, I'll order. So I was one of the first ones to order just because you have a dream, you have a goal. I'm gonna find anywhere to support you. Small businesses, whatever, like I'll make sure to go ahead and send you some funds and speak life over your journey so that I can help you out. But they're good, genuine people. And I love that. And I think that, businesses need that right now they need because we come from so many eras of like businesses cutthroat and you know if you don't make it and the person next to you is your is your enemy and they're your competitor only and but but small businesses we learn very much during COVID we need each other and a lot of times we're the only one that's going to have each other's back and so I would tell them I would be like you know, that's my theory on business is that it's going to come to a place of cross pollination where you interact with this person and you maybe let them come set up shop at your shop 
then you put it on IG, not only do your followers interact with it, but when they repost it, their followers interact with it. And then they're most likely to say, hey, I'm starting this event. Why don't you come over? So now their people are coming to your restaurant. Your people are going to their restaurant. But at the end of the day, small businesses are surviving because it, and thriving because of the cross-pollination. And so they took that and ran with it. They're having a, a small business like summit workshop thing um, in November that they've opened up that uh, small businesses can go and interact. They have a shelf um, when they open up their spot for like different small businesses to put little bits of their um, product on their wall to promote it. But they're not afraid to do that, to say, like, I want to see someone else succeed. And that's why I'm always rooting for them. Where are they located? If I want to try some Mama Lumpus? In Concord. Okay. In they only Concord. got one location? So right now they're, yeah. So right now they're delivery and their um, newest location is going to be opening up. So stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, but you can always do the delivery or you can pick up um, from their house. Awesome, man. I, I'm going to try them out. And uh, I, I love what you're doing, giving support to, you know, small businesses. I mean, I'm sure they're going to blow up here shortly in the next few yep. maybe years or, or maybe even less. But it's awesome that you're doing that. You're so connected with your community. Um, what would you tell uh, a brand new agent? What would you tell them? Mm. What, what's some good tips, man? Somebody wants to get into real estate. What, what do you recommend? Join a team. Yeah. And not just any team. And maybe if it's not even Team Fast, but I'm going to promote Team Fast till I die. Like, <clears throat> Team Fast has changed the game for me. So, but join a team because it does not, and the right team. Don't just join a team. I'm not going to say that. Join <laughs> the right team for yeah. you. It makes sense. It aligns with your soul, but make sure that they're acting on the things that they say. Because there are teams out there and there are brokerages out there that will tell you a whole bunch of puff. They will say, you're going to have this, we're going to do this training, we're going to do that training, and then you get months into it and you're like, well, where's that training? Like, where's that? Where's that that you said? Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. That's going to be on the next meeting. I got you. I got you. So make sure you join people that they say what they do and they do what they say because you're. it doesn't have to be as hard as what it will be from my experience, my personal experience, that this game will be tremendously hard. It will be like running up a hill with high elevation that is muddy with weights on your back and a whole entire weight that you got to pull up if you allow it to. If you stick with somebody that is promising you something and is not delivering it, it will be that hard to be successful in this business. But as soon as you go ahead and you transfer to a place that has that support, that has that ability to put you in a place to be successful, you will be. It'll be like running on the treadmill. You'll just be like, oh, this is good. This is easy. I got the fan over me. You know what I'm saying? I'm chilling. I'm, I can do however the speed. I can control the speed that I want. I can control the incline. I'm controlling factors about my business. That's what it will feel like. It will feel like, hey, I can just do this. To be able to do that, also, don't, if you do find yourself in that space where it is hard and it is um, cumbersome and just, it, it's getting tedious, don't quit. Don't quit. Like, it's not worth it to quit because you have the ability 
to take control of your business and think of your business as a business. I own my business. So when I have to walk away from these people, I'm not necessarily feeling like, oh my gosh, oh no, I had to work. No, I'm, hey, you know what? I loved working here. Thank you for the opportunity. But to take control of my business, I believe this opportunity is better for me. And that's just what it is. It's a business decision. So I'm gonna, there's no burn bridges or anything like that from my side, but I gotta go ahead and go where I'm gonna be successful and go ahead and move there. Take that leap of faith, do it. Don't just sit there and be stagnant thinking, oh, I have to be loyal to these people because they gave me my first opportunity. No, you need to be loyal to your family. You need to be loyal to the generations coming after you. You need to be loyal to that. And if they can't understand that, then they weren't the right place for you in the beginning anyways. Yeah, and it's so true. Like, I mean, you're obviously proof of that, that you've, you know, you've excelled. When did you join the team again? Like what? Uh, like December last year. Dang. And then you've, I mean, you've come a long way, just not just in deals, oh, yeah. but just overall, like as a, as a professional in real estate, um, like for me, you know, I, I came to this team in October, uh, of last year, I just hit my one year mark and I thought, Hey, hey I know I gotta celebrate. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I thought like six deals, um, a year was good. Cause at the time I had a, a full-time job and then my goal was mm -hmm. to go full-time by the end of this year. And I was able to go full-time in June, July. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of like what you mentioned, just a good team. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like this team, this team is like a, a trailblazer. That's how I see it at least. Yeah. I mean, they're doing things that other teams are haven't even thought about. So, uh, and the support is there. Uh, the colleagues are there. The team members are there. Um, and I think you're right. Anybody who's interested in becoming an agent should definitely find a team. And like you said, maybe in the beginning, mm -hmm. right? Maybe they like it, maybe they won't like it, or maybe they'll think that uh, they, they could probably go off solo or maybe with a different, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right to get like the fundamentals down, right? You know, it's almost yep. like preschool to like second or third yep. grade. By that point, you should, you know, at least uh, have an ability to get by and transition on to whatever it is that you want to do within your career. And and if you're coming from full-time like us, like how we, I came from full-time as well. You came from full-time as well. Something that I noticed that I personally had to do was get out of the W2 mindset. Hell so yeah. I used to get anxious by like 12, 12, 30. Cause like, that's usually you start at eight or nine. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta get not go past your five hours because then you know what I'm saying? You're getting red flagged and stuff like that. And so I had to get out of the W2 mindset and understand that like, I control my whole day. I have that ability, have the discipline to know because that's a double-edged sword in itself, but to not feel like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough right now because I'm technically sitting here looking up on the MLS, you know, stuff like that. And I'm not, and I'm not actually out there in the field, but it's like, you're still doing something in your business productively. And this business looks completely different than what you did in your W-2. Your role is completely different. So you have to address it in a different manner and being a business owner and not just, it takes a while to get out of your W-2 like habits and things that you, your feelings and stuff like that. So you're going to have them come up, especially for new agents that are transitioning full-time, um, but take control of that and find your rhythm find your day um, for you specifically that makes your business excel. You're the man, dude. 
Um, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very proud of you, man. I mean, I, I feel like you're like a peer, you know what I mean? But yeah, you're still very inspirational yeah. to me. And I know you're an inspiration to a lot of people. I always find myself um, having good relationships with people that were like two or three bad decisions from <laughs> taking the yep. wrong turn. I feel like yep. those are the people who I really uh, could have a real cool uh, uh, a relationship with because I feel like I was there as well. I was probably yep. two or three bad decisions from maybe mm -hmm. being locked up or being, uh, you know, not with not on this earth anymore. But thank yep. goodness, you know, we were able to uh, make the right uh, move at the right time. And now we can help mm -hmm. others. You know, when I yep. when I was coming up, I was very intimidated um, being a real estate agent until I met uh, two, two brothers who who looked like me and they were making mm -hmm. a killing. And I think as I look back, you know, it, it was a very, very important part uh, of my career because I, I almost didn't believe like, mm -hmm. ah, you know, I just felt intimidated, man. Like these people are they're, they're savvy, they're smarter, they're uh, yeah. they're your typical real estate agents, you know, until I met yeah. people who look like me. And I know yep. that there's going to be a lot of people who will look at, will see you and say, man, this guy's killing it. He's crushing it. He's positive. But yet he also understands where we come from. He's, he's proactive mm -hmm. in trying to make these changes, uh, in our community. And, uh, for that, man, I, I just thank you for giving me the time to, uh, you know, chop it up a little bit, get to know a little bit more about you, the people's agent, uh so where can people uh find you man what's what's the best way to people contact you i know social you're big on social media if you want to just drop your uh ig handle or whatever else you use definitely definitely and yes thank you so much for allowing me to be in this space and thank you for being in this space just what you were saying that when people see a reflection of them, it makes them more comfortable stepping into spaces. It makes them more confident when they get there. So that's why it's so important for us to be in these spaces. So these places start to reflect us. So then the younger generation starts to say, hey, I can do that too. I don't have to just do what the narrative says I have to do. That's why I always give roses to people that I come across in these spaces that look like us. And I say, and I just say, thank you for being in this space because it made me more comfortable being here. And now I'm able to excel and you always put your hand back and you always pull somebody else up with you. Um, myself, I, I can be found at JP underscore real estate 18 on Instagram uh jeff at fastagents.com for email um i'm always happy to engage in dialogue from activism and racism to all that but you're understand that i'm gonna have a genuine conversation i'm not gonna be one that i'll listen i'm gonna listen to you even if you have a completely polarizing different point of view it's cool i'll listen let's go but Let's let's both let's both listen. Let's both do that. And, and that's what the world needs, because we can only be the change that we want to see. And we have to reflect that. So I have to be willing to be open to those conversations. So, yes, please. Hashtag follow the fro uh, the <laughs> yeah. challenge coming on or happening right now. I'm thankful for you, my brother. I always appreciate you. I want to give you your flowers, give you your love, man, while you're here. I've been so proud of you this whole journey, seeing Appreciate you, you man. every day, going to group coaching and, and doing what you need to do and implementing it and being the caliber of agent that you are, but still keeping your humility and being approachable is always love, bro. 
I appreciate you, man. So everybody, make sure you guys go follow Mr. Jeff Phillips, the people's agent. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. I'll see you on the next episode of the Keybox Podcast.